Hey everybody, welcome to Stock Talk. This is a little video slash podcast that I like to put together eh, about once a week where I like to talk about all things investing, where I share some of my insights, my observations, what's going on in the stock market, and also some of my uh, thought processes that go into some of the investment decisions that I make. Um, sharing that information with you just uh, so you can maybe take some of it back with you and kind of frame it, use it and frame it into some of the investment decisions that you're facing. So my name is Amin Reina and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And as an investment coach, what I do is I help new and existing investors who want to become more financially independent, but just feel kind of intimidated, confused, scared of, of the whole investing concept. They either don't know where to start as it, were, as it pertains to investing, or if they've been investing for a long time, they're just not seeing their portfolios get any traction. So what I do as an investment coach is I teach people, I engage with them on how to make more educated uh, investment decisions so that they can ultimately achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and achieve it with, a, with confidence. So this is episode 83 and as we're kind of halfway through the year now, I thought it would be a really good time for, for us, for, for me, and for us, and to uh, take a look at, at uh, how my robo-advisor portfolio has been doing, kind of at the mid-year mark, so I thought I'd just weigh in, give everybody an update on it. For those of you who, have, who are just jumping on to the podcast or have uh, just aren't aware, just get everybody up to speed, what I'd been doing uh, about two and a half years ago, I opened up my own, uh, I opened up an account with a robo-advisor service here in, in Canada. And at the time, the robo-advisor, this, this whole robo-advisor technology slash investing, you know, online wealth management was just like coming, just getting out there and was and has been creating quite a lot of buzz in the industry from the fact that this model, a lot of people think in this type of approach to investing is going to disrupt the whole traditional aspects of investing, how we you know, work with a, a broker or a portfolio manager or a financial planner to you know, build our portfolio to invest. And uh, this, a lot of people think this kind of model is gonna threaten that traditional way of how we invest. So, but one of the things I always wondered about is can a robo-advisor service or this type of, um, you know, methodology, this approach to investing, uh, how does it do in terms of performance? How does it, does it do as good or a better job of generating performance, generating meaningful returns for investors than the traditional ways of how we invest? So, and the problem was a lot of these robo-advisors, because they're so new, there wasn't really much of a track record and you don't really, and a lot of times uh, whenever I try to integrate, interact with some of these companies and ask these questions, um, they just don't even go there. So I thought, you know, I thought I'd just do like a kind of like a little experiment and say, you know what, what if I put some money in one of these things and just kind of follow the experience, go through the experience of, of working with a robo-advisor service and tracking and seeing what happens when you put your money in this type of service and kind of report in and, and come up with, maybe come up with some uh, unique insights uh, that I thought, you know, people like, should, all kinds of people should be aware of. So what I did was about two and a half years ago, I just took $5,000 of my own money and I opened up a, uh, an account with a robo-advisor service. And so if you go to my website, sageinvestors.ca, um, you can find all my posts. And essentially what I've been doing is just blogging about my experience whenever, usually at the half year on an annual basis, uh, what's been going on with the portfolio and things that, any things that I've, I've been seeing with the whole experience. So if you go to my website, 
uh, sageinvestors.ca. You can see all my blog posts related to it and also the podcast too. Um, so as I said, we're in the mid-year mark right now, so I thought I'd just weigh in, check in on the portfolio, see what's been going on with it, and share with you some in some uh, insights. And guess what? There's quite a few insights I'd like to share with you. Actually, the thing is, like, if you listen to my one of my earlier podcasts during the year, uh, this was just shortly after I did my one year or you know my annual review of my portfolio. I uh, I did another kind of a special episode where I. Uh, chimed in on some changes that were that happened at the time with the portfolio in terms of how the portfolio was structured and some of the asset, uh, you know, allocation changes because there were some significant moves that were made. And uh, at the time, I was kind of giving the robo advisor the benefit of the doubt. I thought maybe they're just kind of doing some tinkering and just doing some adjustments. They're just kind of rejigging some things for something bigger that would be a little bit more of a long-term thing. And so I said, you know what, I'll just hold off and then I would come back in the summer and see, check it in again and see if those changes really did stick uh, because then we're dealing with a totally different dynamic or if it's gone to some other step. So basically what's happened is since I reported last earlier in the year, uh, those changes that I reported earlier in the year, they've stuck. And there really hasn't been any material, you know, that next step that I was anticipating or expecting maybe. Um, no, it's it's there. What the what what the robo uh, did in February is pretty much what the way it is right now. So let's so let's just go through uh, some of the numbers and let's go through some of the asset allocation and then I'll just chime in with some of my comments and observations. So when we look at kind of the mid-year performance, uh, some numbers here for you. So year to date, my robo portfolio has is up uh, about five and a half percent. And if you go back to inception, the time I opened up the account in 2015, in January 2015, the portfolio is up about 14%, so 14.2%. Um, this year, the portfolio has so far generated about, it's up about $300, if you're looking from a dollar perspective. 53 of those dollars has been in the form of dividends, so that kind of gives you a bit of the ratio of capital growth and dividend growth on it. Uh, most of the returns that have been generated so far this year have really come from the U.S. component and the foreign equity component, which is uh, foreign equities and emerging market. So overall, so portfolio is making money. It's generating returns, which is great. That's really what we're, why we do this stuff, right? Why we want to see. We want to see positive. We're going in the right direction. We're not going backwards. We're going in the right direction. Um, you know, five and a half percent return year to date, pretty, that's decent. You know, again, my expectations is I'm not expecting looking for my portfolio here to outperform the market and beat the market every year. I'm looking for it to generate, you know, a reasonable rate of return. And given the fact that my portfolio is structured basically 85% equities and 15% um, income or bonds, um, realistically, you know, when you look at long-term performance of stocks, if you're in kind of the six to eight percent range on a typical year, that's a pretty good year. That's a pretty decent year. So, you know, five and a half percent, it's kind of good. And, you know, halfway mark, you know, again, a lot of things could happen. Things could crap out and we could be in the negative. But right now, you know, so far so good. It's, you know, it's it's there type thing. Now, the big change really is, is as I said, really has to do with the asset allocation. And, uh, it's interesting, you know, when you st when I started this, when I opened this account, um, there was like a lot. One of the things I was surprised was was how like uh, segregated or segmented the the asset allocations were. Um, <clears throat> there was all kinds of different types of asset allocations that I didn't think 
wouldn't think would be in that kind of portfolio, but were there. And so that was a bit puzzling. But what's been happening, it seems like, over the last two and a half years is, is it's kind of the, the robo is kind of making a conscious decision to kind of streamline things and uh, go to really a core, very core, very passive oriented portfolio. So what's happened since in the last while and so far this year is we've seen the robo has, and I call it robo, I'm sort of robo advisor, I'm calling it robo, um, short form, is what they've done is they've sold off a few um, components. Uh, there was previously there was a, uh, an allocation towards dividend stocks and that was held by the purpose um, purpose funds ETF and so the robo has has sold that position so it's out of there um, there was also a real estate allocation um, real estate investment trust allocation and that was again held by um, there was a purpose uh, real estate ETF uh, allocated to it invested in it and so the robo sold that one off too so what it's done is it's taken those proceeds of getting out of those sectors and it's reallocated them to sort of the rest of, of the portfolio. More specifically, it's reallocated them to the Canadian equity component and it's reallocated to the US equity component. And it's quite significant what's happened. Um, for the Canadian equity component, when I opened the account, 10% of my portfolio was in Canadian equities. Now, it is 22.5%. So it's literally more than doubled. The, the weighting is more than doubled in the last couple of years. Uh, the US component, when I opened the account, was at 15%, and last year it went up to 20%, and now, as of right now, it's at 32.5%. So right now, so that's again, that's double the position, double the weighting, more than double the weighting. A third of the money, almost, of my portfolio is in US equities. So now we're in a situation right now that almost, like basically 55% of my portfolio is now made up of Canadian and US stocks. And that's quite surprising um, that we have so much of that, like so much of the portfolio is now allocated to that. And it's interesting now, because the portfolio also has a foreign equity and emerging market equity component. And those uh, weightings have essentially remained s s stable or similar, or they've actually fallen a little bit by a couple of percentage points. So what's happening here is now this, my portfolio now has clearly skewed heavily now into North American stocks. And the question is why? Like what, where did this all of a sudden come from? Um, we went from a very diversified portfolio, which was one of the value propositions of the whole robo-advisor service is that they put their money across a variety of different sectors um, using broad-based um, kind of ETFs. Um, but now they've gone very concentrated. Now, literally, you know, more than half my portfolio is now in North American and equity stocks. And that's kind of not from a diversification perspective, not that really doesn't follow those kind of principles. And, uh, and also what, it, what, I, what jumps out at me is just the fact that it's so concentrated in North American stocks. It's, there's now a real geographical kind of bias here. One of the kind of behavioral biases we have as investors, we tend to skew, and this is really, I'm going to talk about North American investors, we tend to skew our investment decisions. We tend to invest in stocks and bonds that are more local, are more geographically closer to us than we do invest in more foreign, far off kind of places. We're, we're biased towards that. We're more predisposed to do that. And so it's interesting to see that this robo portfolio, which again is being managed and being you know advised by 
you know, according to my to the website, a lot of really smart, highly academic um, people who are very well trained and very well grounded in a lot of investing principles and portfolio management principles, going literally all in on on a couple of sectors, and so. Um, I found that really surprising. I, I, I didn't really think um, it. I didn't think it would go there like this. Um, so that kind of jumped out at me. The second whole principle, and again, one of the value propositions of robo advisor services is they tend to make investments using ETFs because they don't believe in picking stocks. They just uh, they're not in the business of pick, picking stocks. They just don't have. You know, they basically say there's, it's picking stocks is useless. It's better to pick, you know, broad, have a broad exposure to different asset classes. So, yeah, it, you know, it may not be, they may not be picking stocks, but they sure as heck looks like they're picking sectors and it looks like they're picking geography and they're picking regions uh, as part of their, you know, as part of their investing investment strategy. And, and there seem to be very concentrated kind of allocations and, the reality is that's not really any different for me, like building a portfolio of individual stocks. Like it's kind of almost, it's got shades of kind of like market timing type thing. So what are they doing? Like, are they trying to time the market somehow? Is this, is this, what is it? What's, what's the logic here? So this really kind of puzzled me because this is, you know, this is like literally the third biggest, you know, in the two and a half years I've had this portfolio, this is almost like the third now significant asset allocation adjustment adjustment to the weightings of my portfolio and again coming down to basic principles of what asset allocation basic principles of investing what you know all the academics and all the smart people keep telling us is that you know you just develop an asset allocation and stick to it and adjust rebalance and you know but stay core to your asset allocation so if you're 20% into Canadian stocks and 10% into US stocks that's your allocation you stay around that you don't just take it 20% and go to like 40% or in my case go from 15% US equities to 32.5% just kind of flipping around type thing because you're just churning in a way you're kind of churning your portfolio and I'll get to that in a second because that's my second observation that's come out of this uh, out, of, out, of, out of what I'm seeing right now uh, it's just that's the principle of asset allocation if, as soon as one portfolio gets really high uh, one section of the portfolio gets really high then you sell a portion of it to bring it back into balance and take the proceeds and reinvest it in the area that's underweighted and that's kind of over time if you do that kind of rebalancing um, and that's something this this my robo portfolio propo uh, promotes quite heavily um, over time that's how you uh, consistently and increase your chances of creating wealth or building your growing your savings at a meaningful rate so it just seems like it's just right now as of right what i'm seeing right now it's just not doing it and it's going pretty heavy it's making concentrated asset allocations changes and it's literally almost kind of like it's picking kind of sectors it's literally kind of stock picking sector picking region picking kind of uh ideology that's going on right now so this really kind of scratched my head and i was just i've been trying to like wrap my head trying to like why is it doing this so you know what I did I, I ended up what I doing is I called my robo advisor I literally called them up and I haven't really talked which is interesting because in the two and a half years I've been doing this I've had this portfolio I haven't talked after I set up the account I really at that point I have yet to speak to a human being about this portfolio nobody's really called me and reached out and reached out to me from the from the robo advisor service or I haven't bothered gone reaching out because and that's fine because that's I guess that's you have to expect that and that's kind of a takeaway you need to expect when you're dealing with a robo advisor service is they're not going to be kind of um, there 
um, it's kind of you have to seek them out. They're not going to just go and say, hey, how's it going? Let's, let's touch base on your portfolio. They'll send you the statements. You get access to the website. You have everything in front of you. So they're really great from the tra- that kind of transparency perspective. Um, but they're not going to just call you up and just say, hey, let's get together for a coffee and talk about your portfolio and see how things are. So you need to understand that if you're the type of person who needs to have that kind of human interaction, you're not going to get it really ideally with a robo portfolio. So what I did was I tried to get some, I wanted to get some answers on this. I just, and I just wanted to hear, I didn't want to like critique them because the whole point of this is just to see how this evolves, how the experience evolves, what their logic is in doing some of the things that they're doing and how they present things to us as investors. So I just wanted to just ask the question and just literally shut up after that and just hear what they have to say. So I called my robo-advisor up and I asked them like what, I just wanted to get some clarification and just a better understanding of what the logic is in them concentrating, changing the portfolio weightings and going heavily into US and Canadian equities. And so this is what, this is what the robo-advisor uh, came back with. And again, I'm kind of paraf- I'm paraphrasing a, a bit here, um, but I, the, I just want to get the concepts here. So I'm going to talk about the concept and just sort of give you my takes on what they what they said. So talk to the person, very nice person, very amicable, you know, there to really just really there trying to trying to help out um, getting getting the answers of what I need. But this is what they came up with. So first thing they said was because, you know, after I filled out the profile, my profile and in the, you know, assessing my risk preference, my risk tolerance, um, that it came out that you know for me, I my portfolio should be uh, skewed towards an 85-15% equity bond ratio, and which is a again. So that's what they said. Second thing they talked about was um, the decision to change the weightings in the portfolio is totally driven by algorithms. That's the other thing they said. Um, the portfolio is constantly rebalancing. So when there are fluctuations and changes, they will rebalance and they rebalance, you know, quite consistently. That's what they said. Um, the, the person also commented that I've done really well with my U.S. portion. And it's probably a big factor in what's driven um, the prices. And it's driven why I've generated, been able to generate a high portfolio uh, return so far this year. And it, finally, the, the person said that they tend to... the. And I guess the algorithms and the people who are running this thing tend to skew their preference for investments towards Canadian and U.S. Uh, oriented co- uh, companies and I guess ETFs versus foreign um, assets. So that's what they said um, in terms of their explanation for it. So um, as I said, I didn't challenge anything. I didn't question anything. I just sort of I, I just took it. That's what. So that was their feedback on it. So what do I think about it? Well. Basically, what they're telling me is that, you know what, you're 85, 15, you're all in on stocks. So whether you're, you know, 30% in U.S. or, you know, 20% or 50% or 60% in U.S. or Canadian or whatever, you have high weightings in terms of some, that's, you know, because your portfolio is skewed to a higher risk profile, you should be fine with it. So that's one thing that seems to be, it's like, well, this is what you are. So this is, this shouldn't be anything surprising to you. Um. What's clear also is now because there's, you know, we talked about algorithms really making decisions. Well, the algorithms clearly have made a decision to go all in on the North American market. And from you know perspective, again, if you don't know anything about stocks or any investing, you think, okay, that's fine. Um, the reality is we've been through an eight-year bull market in stocks in North American stocks. The American stock, U.S. stock market has just been surging for the last eight years, driven by so many different factors. I've talked about. I don't want to get into it now. It's ripe for a serious pullback. And 
right now, with the portfolio skewed heavily for a third of the money, my money skewed towards U.S. stocks. That's kind of that's kind of worrisome. So if the market craps out, uh, this five percent return I've got so far and fourteen percent return I've got since inception is probably going to take quite a hell of a hit because I'm so concentrated in those portfolios. Um, the other thing I took away from it when he when he mentioned the whole comp, well, you're in U.S. stocks, so you're making money. So to me, it was almost like. Hey, what's the issue? You're making money. Everything's good. Everything's awesome. And I'm going, yeah, right now it is. But right now, you know, we invest for the future. And right now, the way the portfolio is set up is if the market craps out, if the U.S. stock market craps out, if the S&P 500 and all that stuff goes down, NASDAQ goes down, um, there will be some problems with this portfolio. So that's one element that's jumping out at me based on his comments. And finally, you know, the fact of the matter, it's gone all in. On the North American market, it's you know it's textbook geographical bias. They just don't want to look beyond the North American market. It's interesting because now, twenty percent, twenty-two percent of my money now is invested in the Canadian market, which represents six percent of world of the world stock market. So twenty, almost like a fifth of my money is now invested in such a small area part of the world. I'm ignoring a hell of a lot of opportunities. Granted, now my U.S. component now is a third of my portfolio, and the U.S. market is a major market in the world, but it's not the only market. There's lots of things, you know, we're living in a very globalized society and a globalized economy now. There's major investment opportunities beyond North America. Asia is developing. Europe is now showing a bit of a comeback. Africa, like there's lots of opportunities out there. And one of the core elements of kind of overcoming geographical bias is having a broad exposure into other types of, uh, in other parts of the world, getting outside our postal code. So it's interesting that my robo portfolio has chosen to go all in on North America. And so let's see what happens, how that plays out. Uh, So that's my response to it. And, you know, it kind of, didn't give me a lack of a lot of a comfort level, as I said. Based on that, I just I didn't have a great comfort. It's like, okay, if that's what you think, that's okay. I'll 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 go with it. Like that's the whole point of this exercise experiment I'm doing. Just let's just, just wait and see and see how it pans out. So this is one element with the asset allocation. The second observation I want to share with you with my portfolio is inside that U.S. As, uh, component of my portfolio. Um, up until now, there was basically it was represented by one ETF. It was basically the Vanguard Total Return ETF, which is the ticker symbol VTI. It basically what it is is it invests in literally every stock in America, every U.S. stock. And so it's not just the S&P 500 or Dow Jones. It's literally all small cap, mid cap, any and every stock in the U.S. publicly traded company in the U.S. that this ETF invests in. So you literally get exposure to America. So that's been and it's still uh, the you know, main component, it's still the component of the portfolio. But what has happened is my robo has decided to add another ETF to cover the US market. And this is ticker symbol VUS. It's this Vanguard, it's a Vanguard ETF. Um, again, that's tr- uh, investing in the, US to- in the US stock market, US stocks. And at first I was like, well, okay, I thought it was an error. I thought it was a mistake. Remember earlier on in my previous podcast, I thought it was a mistake, but it's not a mistake. It's still there. I have two U.S. And here's the thing, the Vanguard, and this is the ticker symbol VUS, and this is the Canadian, actually, Vanguard ETF. And at first I thought, okay, maybe it's investing in a concentrated sector of of the U.S. stock market or, you know, type thing. But I looked at the ETF. It is investing. You know what it's investing in? It's investing in 
the other ETF, BTI. So it's literally, it's buying shares of the BTI, which is the one I already have. And so what the hell? Like I'm holding the same, why didn't it just buy more shares of the BTI? Why is it, why do we need to buy a totally different ETF? Here's the other kicker is the VTI in terms of cost, the management expense ratio, MER of the VTI is 0.04%, four basis points. The MER of the VUS, this new ETF that my robo has added is 0.16. So it's four times more expensive than the, the, than the VTI. So it's like, what, what's up with this? So I did a little more digging and I found, it turns out that it invests exactly in the VTI ETF. But what it does is it also hedges the currency exposure because the VTI is priced in US dollars. And so the VUS is priced in Canadian dollars. So there's, you know, you're opening yourself up to some currency risk, uh, even with the VTI. Um, so what it's doing is it's trying to hedge away that risk and doing some things behind the scenes to preserve the value of that, of the, of that, of that allocation. Should the US dollar uh, depreciate in value, then ultimately the value of the assets in Canadian dollars would depreciate too. And so what it's trying to do is hedge out that risk and to do that. So, which is a, okay, a, is someone, there's different schools of thought out there, whether it's being worth uh, hedging currencies to protect portfolios. Some people say over, you know, if you're investing for 20, 30 years, then it's pretty much a wash. It's not going to make it much of a difference, but if you're investing, you know, short term, maybe it's good to have a portion of that exposure hedged, uh, hedged away from, for, for currency risk. So again, I asked my role, I was again, I was like, what is going on with this? So what's the logic behind this? And I'm thinking, okay, it seems like, you know, currency hedging is what it's about. So I, you know, again, when I was talking to my robo advisor person, um, I asked them about, okay, the logic of having two US ETFs now, one basically investing in the other, like what's the logic in that? And the response again, and again, I'm uh, paraphrasing is, um, well, the robo-advisor, the people, robo, the robo-advisor people, or the computer, I guess, um, they like to have options. And rather than having a single ETF represent a total sector or, you know, weighting of that, of that sector, they like to invest in multiple ETFs. And the logic being is it allows you, me, to get portfolio to get more exposure to that market or that uh, sector and allows you to get into more diverse investments. And the logic being is over the long term, that's going to be more healthy for your portfolio and it's going to generate more returns for your portfolio. That's what they said. And my and again, I didn't question anything. I just listened. I took it. But then when I hung up the phone, I, I literally went WTF. Like, what the hell? Like, what is this? Are you kidding me? I was like, it's not like this one ETF is investing in the S&P 500 and this other ETF is investing in the retail sector or the pharmacy subsector, sub-index of the S&P 500. It's investing in the same thing. It's all investing in the same. There's no, like, ex- you're not getting more diverse investment. You're investing in the same thing. And you're paying four times the price for it. So I just, again, I'm trying to figure out the logic here of, so the end was like, you get more exposure and you get more diverse investments, which is healthy and better for your portfolio long term. I don't like, why don't you just buy more of the VTI? Or just if you're all about, if you're so worried about currency exposure, sell the VTI and just buy the VUS. Get your exposure that way, make that decision. But again, 
I don't know what they're trying. I don't. I don't understand the logic. And that's just the thing. I'm like, you know, I'm a little bit more versed in this stuff. The, you know, average person who's out there just, you know, putting their money in this stuff would not know this or didn't even see this. So again, I'm really, um, I'm really puzzled. And the part of the fact of the matter also is it's four times more expensive. And the fact that it's kind, of, you know, there's there's kind of like a kind of a backdoor kind of churning effect going on here. Um, you know, it hasn't sold any of my U.S. positions, but it's kind of, you know, when you're adding new different uh, uh, products into the mix to get that exposure, you're kind of just churning return. You're churning exposure. Um, so, again, I really don't understand it. Again, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it plays out. But right now, it's, I don't know, it's a little bit puzzling. So, you know, and the, and the interesting thing about it is the person I was talking to didn't even mention anything about the currency hedging aspect of it. didn't even bring it up. Like I, I only bring it up because I, I, re, I w went and looked at what this v, uh, Vanguard ETF does and what their investment strategy is and their investment philosophy. And they talk specifically, it's currency hedged and this is why they do it. The robo-advisor uh, person didn't even bring it up. I don't even know. Do they even know that, that this was the logic? It just seemed like the response was very kind of, um, again, very generic, very boilerplate-y kind of, standard scripty kind of response you know yeah we get more exposure it's good for your returns la da 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 life is good you know life's a party kind of thing so um really i don't know interesting interesting stuff that's that's coming up that's popping up with this portfolio um another interesting thing just as an observation is again one of the again one of the big value propositions of this type of service is the technology component where you have that access to your, you know, real-time kind of almost real-time access to your portfolio, your status of your portfolio, your performance of your portfolio, how it's doing, the asset allocation, all that stuff. The one thing it doesn't have is that kind of messaging. Because I'll be honest, like when you're changing your portfolio, like what these guys have done, um, it'd be nice to kind of know about. It. I only knew about it because I just happened to go in it one day. And otherwise, I would have just, like for most people, it's like out of sight, out of mind. They wouldn't even know about it until you get a statement. So if I didn't happen to go on to their app in February, I probably would have, I would have got the statement or checked in in June or July here. And I would be like, what the hell? So you think with the amount of technology emphasis on technology here that they would kind of have some kind of messaging system or some kind of notification system to inform the customer, the investor, that, hey, you know what? We've made this kind of change to your portfolio. This is the weightings now. This is the logic behind it, just FYI. Again, the tools are there. The technology is there to, to, to wire us, to wire investors in, to get people more engaged in their investments. Um, it's, it's weird that they're, they haven't gone there yet. Maybe they're just, they're not there. Maybe it's coming. And, uh, but it's something that just jumped out of it because this would be a great kind of way to get people more engaged and more up to speed with how their investments are doing. It's just having that messaging kind of uh, thing, especially when there's really material changes going on in your portfolio. Wouldn't you want to know? You want to know about it. So that's kind of, you know, the, what, what I've seen. Those are some of the observations of what's, what's come out of the portfolio. Again, um, I'm wondering, you know, these are kind of major changes and major th major events. And I think, are we kind of starting to see a little bit of what the true colors of these portfolios, these type of portfolios and how they're managed? Are we seeing kind of like, this is really kind of what's going down with it? Because it's interesting. And again, at the end of the day, um, you know, the portfolio is making money right now. It's generating great returns. 
decent returns, outstanding decent returns. So it's good from that perspective. It's just interesting to see if things, but we've been through such an incredible market in the last while. Eventually at some point it's gonna tank and it'll be interesting to see how these portfolios react and perform under that kind of stress, under, kind of, under a really sustained period of market stress. And so that's the thing, that's the thing we wanna do with this whole experiment. We wanna see how they do in good times and we wanna see how they do in bad times. So right now, the way the portfolio seems to be shifting is shifting really going concentrated, highly concentrated in just a bunch of, sec in a bunch of asset out, uh, classes and really opening himself to a lot of risks should those um, th um, asset classes kind of tank and not do well. So. As I said, we'll keep going, we'll keep listening, we'll keep following, I'll keep updating you. If stuff comes up with the portfolio, I say here, I'll be more than happy. I'm, I'm here to share it with you. Uh, I, what, I, what I hope for you can do from this is again, just take this away. If you're somebody who's considering investing in a robo with a robo-advisor uh, service, I hope you take some of these things advice because chances are the type of insights you're gonna get here uh, you're not gonna get it from a robo-advisor and you're not gonna get it probably from some other third-party kind of thing, mainstream media. They're all pretty gaga about this port this approach and uh, the level objective of uh, objectivity may not be the greatest. Um, so that's what I love about what I do is I'm sharing you like real-time, tangible insights into how these things work. Granted, it's one company, there's all kinds of companies out there, but these are things that what I'm sharing with you I think you need to be aware of and if you are with a robo-advisor service, these are the type of things you need to just look for when you're seeing how your portfolios are doing. And then also the question, ask questions. You know, I'm all about asking questions, right? So ask questions if something doesn't make sense in your portfolio. Why is that, like the weighting so out whack? Why are they changing all the time? Why are you buying this ETF? Not this. Ask questions, get some more insight, be more educated about what your money is doing for you. That's the key takeaway, really what I wanna get you from in investing in this side of it. So that's all I got for you today. A really long episode too, but a really lot of ton of stuff I really wanted to share with you and get out there and help you digest it all. If you have any more questions about it, feel free to give me a shout through my website, sageinvestors.ca. You hit me through an email there. You can follow me on Twitter. My uh, my handle is at Sage Investors. I'm on there all the time commenting about things going on in the market. I'm also sharing also my investment decisions in real time just to give you some color and some of the thought processes that I'm doing and I'm facing and I'm thinking when I'm making investment decisions. Um, if you're interested, uh, also once a week, uh, every Wednesday, I, ha I send out a newsletter um, talking about just keeping people updated on my upcoming podcasts, uh, recent podcasts, blog posts, stuff that's going on on my website, and also sharing with you stuff that I'm reading on a daily basis that I'm finding quite useful and helping me make my own investment decisions. Uh, I share some uh, a bunch of links and some little quick uh, quick tidbits and insights on there. So if you're interested in getting that newsletter, you can just go to my website, sageinvestors.ca, and just drop your email in there, and every Wednesday morning in your email box, uh, you'll have something there for you to check out for, uh, to help you out, to uh, uh, give you some more insight and more perspectives as you frame your own investing decisions. So that's all I got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you're on uh, iTunes, feel free to subscribe to the podcast. Feel free to like and put stars on, I don't know what else you get to do to just kind of pass the buzz. Feel free to pass it on to your friends and family and all that kind of stuff. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week for another episode of Stock Talk. Again, my name is Amin Reina of Sage Investors. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and we'll catch you again another time. Take care.